0: grace where things would change and maybe they take up the cross high again the valley of grace is never the same after he had
1: died the love that refines do what we wear a tie so that we can make an impact That means we're analyzing, we're troubleshooting, we're implementing, we're empowering, and we're impacting women in our homes, in our communities, and around the world, right? And you might wonder to yourself, what does it mean to commune? Communing means coming together, exchanging ideas, thoughts, missions, philosophies, ideologies, right? Intimately engaging with one another. And so, when you think about it in terms of the noun part of it, because that was the verb, right? The action going on with the noun, it is uh, commune is being part of a group of people or community who lives together, right? Who share possessions together, who do business, ministry, are in a small group, a congregation together, right? So, when you're in a commute, when you commune, when you're part of a commune, you're part of a what? A community, right? And so, when you have communion, think about the song, Let Us Break Bread Together on Our Knees, right? When we think about Let Us Break Bread Together on Our Knees, right? And then part of the song to say, When I fall on my knees with my face to the rising sun, oh Lord, have mercy upon me. So, when we have communion, right, we're coming together with that sole purpose of what relationship, fellowship, friendship, discipleship, and sonship. This is all based upon the fact that Jesus went to the cross. He died to save us from our sins, right? And God adopted us as sons and daughters, right? And so we're having communion to commemorate through the uh, the wine that's representing the blood, the bread and the crackers that's representing the body of Christ, right? Coming together on our knees for that sole purpose, right? And so also thinking about this, you're thinking about your love for people, thinking about your love for the people of God, right? And you're thinking about your love of community, okay? And so it's not about me, 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 which is the ironic part of communal narcissism. Communal narcissism is all about me, 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 me. It's nothing to do with being intimate and engaging. Narcissistic individuals do not like engaging right? And the people who are in relationship with them have to do what? They have to disengage. So when it comes to a communal narcissist, right? Communal narcissists they like to cause drama, trauma, chaos, and confusion everywhere they go in order for them to receive validation, right? And so when you think about a communal narcissist, like I said, there's nothing intimate about them. There's nothing engaging about them. And this reason is because of their undealt with brokenness, their trauma, the unresolved trauma, right? The drama that has gone on in their family's love story garden, right? The deficiencies that were there, the toxic roots they grew up with, right? And they have become the fruit of those toxic roots, right? It's, and what happens is that when you see them doing all of this community and volunteer work, so to speak, it's all a part of their mask, Right? Communal narcissists, communal narcissists, I'm getting tongue-tied, they use community, right, in which they work at, right, those workplaces, their small groups, their churches, families, etc., to gain validation, to gain narcissistic supply, and accolades to the 100th power. I want you to remember that, right? This is their whole goal. The only reason they're called communal narcissists is because they are trying to be what? To be ones that are are what? uh, Not enthusiasts, but opportunists rather, right? They are enthusiastic about being opportunists. Ah, this is an opportunity for me to take advantage of somebody. This is an opportunity for me to self-promote. If we remember that, then you're on the right track if you remember that. So the first thing that the communal narcissists do to cause drama, trauma, chaos, and confusion everywhere they go is that they bully you. They bully you when your truth telling and integrity and way of using discernment, discretion and reasonableness interferes with their plot to gain validation at all costs. Okay, that means that they're going to be bullying you via email. And if you decided I don't have to put up with this, I'm going to use as less words as possible. They'll call you up on the phone and begin harassing and bullying you via the phone. They'll grab other narcissistic people in the workplace, right? And get them in on it. Even the HR person. The HR person will contact you. Oh, well, if uh, Bob is giving you any problems, just let me know. And then all of a sudden you start thinking, well, how would she know whether or not Bob is giving me any problems? She'll know whether or not Bob is giving you any problems because what? She's infected herself with monitoring spirits. And you've already kind of felt uneasy at your desk. And why? because she's checking all of your emails. She's checking your voicemail. She knows that Bob is giving you a problem. She's in on the whole plot twist, right? She's in on the whole plot. She's in on the whole twist of the plot, right? And all of those shenanigans, right? And so that's why when it comes down to a communal narcissist, that's why they are so diabolical, so to speak, right? Because they appear to have everything going on and want to do everything right. And everybody thinks they're doing so much for the community, so much for their fa- family, so much for the church, right? So much for the business, so much for the ministry. They could care a hill of beans, as the old folks would say, about doing anything for anybody. It's all so that the validation will come back to them. It's all about the communal narcissists, right? And so what happens is in Ephesians 4.29, we're given a warning. Do not let any unwholesome talk come out of your mouths, but only what's helpful for building others up according to their needs so that it may benefit those who listen, right? And there's nothing wholesome coming out of a communal narcissist's mouth, not when they're dealing with regular people, right? When they're dealing with the communities and the organizations and their volunteer work, those people, of course, they're allowing stuff to come out of their mouths to make them look good, to make them all look like they're all about Loving the elderly people, being concerned with feeding the homeless, and all of that. I was watching a show a couple of weeks ago, and it was a lady on there that was a politician, and she made it seem like she was interested in helping the food truck uh, to donate food and pass out food to the homeless, right? And to be able to get more programs, uh, pump more programs up into the community. This was all so that she could be elected. As soon as she got done, the lady with the food truck said, Well, you know, Gina, she said, you know, are we going to really be able to, to do more things like this, right? And she was looking at her like, oh, this is it, baby. <laughs> she had the look on her face like, I don't know what you thought, but this is it. That's a communal narcissist for you, right? Number two, communal narcissists over uh, overpromise, underestimate, and overestimate. They do those three things. That's part of their operating system. Number two, communal narcissists overpromise, overestimate, and underestimate, as part of their operating system. They make promises they can't keep all the time. And then they scapegoat the family members, the church members, the co-workers, the business partners, the ministry partners, their subordinates, anybody and everybody is a pawn in their theater production that they have created in their own minds, okay? They'll use anybody and everybody to throw under the bus. When you are underneath them in rank, at first, you'll think it's a one-time thing the first time it happens. And then one, all of a sudden, you'll realize, wait a minute, this is their MO. They're making promises to these clients that they cannot keep. And guess what? It's all going to fall back on you if you are the customer service rep for this type of individual who's over you as the account, the main account representative, right? When those promises can't be met, you're going to be scapegoated as to why the project fell through, Right? When the business projects falls through, you're going to be scapegoated as to why the project fell through. When the ministry doesn't go as planned, right? When the church programs don't go as planned, when the mission trips don't go as planned, you are going to be the one working closely with them that's scapegoated. When things don't go well and they've overestimated what they can deliver and overpromise to people and underestimated the due date and times and all of that that's going on. You as the family member and each and every other family member is going to be scapegoated as to why it didn't happen. And then that way everybody else can look at that individual and empathize and sympathize with them. Oh, oh, Barbara, I'm so sorry that you end up having to go through this. It's a shame nobody would help you. It's it's a shame nobody would help you cook. It's a shame nobody would help you to pack those boxes for the hungry. It's a shame nobody would use their Saturday to drive around with you. To those 200 homes. And in the back of everybody else, mind, they're thinking, nobody told you to promise those people that these parts were going to be ready to ship out when you knew we were on back order. Nobody told you to promise that you were going to make 200 deliveries on a Saturday when you were, know you're working Monday through Friday, uh 16, 17 hours uh, a day. That's what the individual on the outside, once you notice their MO, that's what the individuals on the outside look and think to themselves, like, this is This was a setup. This is what they wanted in order to receive validation and empathy and sympathy. And also like, look at all of this work they did by themselves because nobody would help them. No, it's it's not that nobody would help them. Either they asked the people too late or they didn't want the other people to help. They want to wear the Superman cape. And if you can remember that, you're going to be doing good. You're going to be doing really well when it comes to what? The communal narcissist, right? And then the other thing about the communal narcissist is that they have... High levels of anxiety and rage stemming off of the anxiety because of over-promising, underpromising, right? And doing what? Overpromising, under uh, overpromising, underestimating, and overestimating. Not underpromising, they overpromise, but they overestimate and underestimate all of the logistics that's involved in certain projects, right? And like I said. But the other people on the outside, once they know their MO, they're like, nobody told them to try to go do all of that stuff themselves. You'll realize they set it up like that. That's how they want it to be. So they can make it seem like everybody else is just sitting around being lazy, doing nothing. They're the only one that's working, right? They're the only one that's packing food for the homeless. They're the only savior of the day, right? They the one, they're the only ones doing the work and being fruitful and multiplying. They'll even throw some scripture in there, right? But in Matthew five thirty six to 37, it says, nor shall ye swear by your head because you cannot make one hair white or black, but let your yes be yes. And yet let your no be no for whatever is more than these is from the evil one. So basically it's saying when you start making all these false promises to people over promising and all of that and, or either under promising either instead of, you know, letting the yes be yes and the no being no. And trying to make it seem like it's more than what it is They're saying basically according to scripture That's evilness Because you know you can't deliver You know you've set yourself up You've sabotaged, you self-sabotaged And then you also sabotaged the project Right? You know that But this is what this individual want They want to uh, go and have all of these accolades Given to themselves, right? And that takes us to number three they are opportunists at heart. They give to organizations so that they can receive hand claps, but they also want their names and photos and how much they have, right, written on the bench. They got their name, Barbara Davis. They gave $10,000 to this particular organization, right? It's in gold. They want it gold-plated on a nice burgundy, a uh, wooden shine bench, right, to, to show everybody this is how much I gave to this particular project. But then also, that's not it. They want their photo attached to it. So everybody else can know what it is that they've done. They've given $3,000, $7,000, $10,000. They've given all of this to a certain organization, right? To help the homeless, right? To help the hungry children over in Africa. As long as their name and picture is attached to it, they're doing okay, right? And then also everybody can say, oh, look, they must be balling. They got all this money. They they rolling in dough. They got the bag going on. This was to gain their, this was for what? Their own gain and for nobody else's. And in the scripture it says, do nothing out of selfish ambition or vain conceit. Rather in humility, value others above yourselves, not looking to your own interests, but each of your interests of the others, right? Opportunists do things like what uh, Joab did. Joab made it seem like he wanted to reunite David with Absalom, his son. He didn't want to reunite him. He wanted to have all the accolades. He wanted to gain favor from David, right? He wanted to be put in the lead of everything. And the scripture says, and Joab fell to the ground on his face and bowed himself and thanked the king. And Joab said, today, thy servant knoweth that I found grace in thy sight. My Lord, O king, and that the king hath fulfilled the request of his servant, okay? And so what happens with communal narcissists they become ruthless. They're cold. They will kill anyone that get in their path, right? Guess what? Joab killed Absalom. Joab killed Abner. Joab killed Amasa, right? This was all so he could make sure nobody else took over his position, right? He made it look like he had the mass of concern for David. But what it was is that it was selfish ambition. He wanted to self-promote. He killed all these three individuals and they were never, ever, never, ever given the command to be killed by David. And the scripture says, when Joab came out from David's presence, he sent messengers after Abner and they brought him back from the cistern of Syrah. But David did not know about it. And when Abner returned to Hebron, Joab took him aside into the midst of the gate to speak with him privately. And there he struck him in the stomach so that he died for the blood of Ahasel, his brother. Afterwards, when David heard of it, he said, I and my kingdom are forever guiltless before the Lord, for the blood of Abner, the son of Ner." May it fall upon the head of Joab and upon all his father's house and may the house of Joab never be without one who has a discharge or who is lepers or who holds a spindle or who falls by the sword or who lacks bread. So Joab and Abishai, his brother, killed Abner because he had put their brother Asahel to death in the battle at Gibeon. So Abner, Abasa, and Absalom, the three of them were killed by Joab, who had a murderous spirit and who also was a communal narcissist. So with communal narcissists, if there's anybody that's threatening their position, they would be cold and ruthless, right? Because they want to appear as the savior of the day, the right-hand man, they will take out anybody that gets in their way. Look at how Joab is looking out for David. It's what they want. there's what Joab wanted everybody else to say about him, right? He was always looking for an opportunity to promote himself. Now that brings us to number four and the final point, right? Communal narcissists sabotage business deals, work projects, ministries, church plants, family gatherings so they can break things or hide things and appear to be the savior of the day they overestimate underestimate overpromise. right just say for instance if you had a company where they've got inventory and it was placed in certain areas all of a sudden the communal and then you can't find the products and you're like well what happened the communal narcissist will pop out "Dun da, da, dun on here the project here the products here's the projects here's the items blah, blah blah this is what you couldn't find and it wasn't that all of a sudden He was the only one that could find him and everybody else wasn't doing their job. No, he purposely hid these products. He purposely hid these items, right? They complain about doing all the work, but at the same time, they want the validation, right? It's a sick and twisted cycle, right? And so what happens, unless you're hanging around these people all the time, you will miss it, okay? They want the message to be, nobody else knows how to do the job except for them. They triangulate. They manipulate, right? The small group, the family family members, the church members, the co-workers, everyone. And in the background, you're thinking, why would somebody want to do this? This is a clear indication of somebody that has a problem. Anytime you break something so that somebody else can say how good you are doing something, you got a problem. Anytime you hide something to receive validation so somebody else can say how good you are at doing something and you're finding things, you got a problem. Anytime you put more weight on yourself than you have, then you have to, in order for a whole group to validate you, you got a problem. Helping an individual so that the whole family can look bad, you've got a problem, right? Oh, look at how much of a wonderful job you did. You created this whole thing and you you decorated and all this and you set up the whole party for yourself and for everybody else. You did this all by yourself and nobody helped you. This is a problem. This is communal narcissist, right? You like, oh yeah, nobody at the company picked up, They nobody picked up a finger to help me to work. It's a shame. This whole company sat back while I did all of it. They didn't want anybody to help them. That's the thing you have to remember about the communal narcissist. They want to do it all, even though they really don't want to do it all, but they want to do that so they can receive what? Validation. Like they've got a spirit of martyrdom and a spirit of suffering going on is what they want to what? have everybody else thinking about them. They're very manipulative people who are doing it for the wrong reasons. You are enough. Reclaim your power, soul, and identity. And then you have to do what? Reclaim the power, soul, and identity of your calling. Grab your keys to the kingdom and get your inheritance. Until next time, I love you ladies. God bless you men. Be blessed.
0: I'm change. And maybe they take up the cross high again. The valley of grace was never the same after he had died. The love that refines Trying to do it on my own I've seen the world from His great love. How could I know what? He- Refine. yeah